It's Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation on LiveHipHopDaily.tv. And this episode is sponsored by Atlantibus Clothing. Everything from our Atlantibus to our Drug Lord and Return to Viper collections are all available for purchase. And if you head to the website and shop while we're watching tonight, use promo code CashColorCanvas at checkout and save 10% off your order. So please shop with us, AtlantibusClothing.com. All right, without further ado, man, I got a fir- I got a um, I got a fellow Bostonian in the building with me today. I, I, I feel I feel welcomed. <laughs> Ayana Ayana Bean. Um, many of y'all probably seen her on BET's American Gangster, Trap Queens. Um, but I had a chance to just follow you on Instagram, and I've been watching your kind of evolution. You know, sister show. I had the chance to watch the show, but now you got the book, and there's just so much more. I feel like this t- to talk about with Ayana. So I've had a chance to have you on, and I'm blessed to have you. How, have you, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm blessed to be here. Yeah, definitely, yes. definitely. Uh, for those who don't know or aren't familiar with you, um, just please introduce yourself and tell us what you do formally. Okay. Uh, so my name is Ayana Bean. Um, on Instagram, it's at Miss, M-S dot Y-A-N-A-B-E-A-N. Um, you may be familiar with me from American Gangster Trap Queens. It's BET's um, American Gangster series. I'm in season one, episode seven. Um, and actually, you can find that on the network. Yeah. And it's also on BET Plus. Turn up, man. Yeah. It, it Check was a that good out show. On, on demand. It was, a good, it, was a good, it was a good episode. It was very. I was, I'll get into that later, man. But okay. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been re- I've been going through your story a little bit. I've been doing my research. What you find? Well, I'm about to tell you what I found. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that your life included more than just what we saw on BET, Trap Queens. Right. You know, it's definitely music and a lot more. Mm-hmm. But I also heard that in the beginning, you thought you was going to be a hairdresser. Yeah. Just, You've been really researching. I Nardawar this. <laughs> I heard okay. in the beginning, yeah, you were supposed to be a hairdresser. You, right? you was doing hair back when you was a, when you was a youngin. Yes, I was. Yeah. I um. I thought that, you know, I, I, I love doing hair. And I was like um, the tightest hair braider you could find. So my friends would, and their parents would be mad at me because I could make your scalp bleed Ooh, that yeah, I could braid yeah, so tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could make your scalp bleed, but I could, um, the reason why people love me to braid their hair is because I can braid real, real small hair. Real short. So you could do like mine. Like if I have yeah, a Yeah, I could break. That's easy. Okay, that's what Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You know, you Your scalp will bleed, maybe. <laughs> ah. You know, you just gave me a flashback. Like, you, you gave me not only a flashback of braids, but a Boston flashback. Like, yeah. I remember this girl I used to date. Uh, her name was Raquel. Uh-huh. And she used to have the, the Poetic Justice braids. And uh-huh. literally, we watching Poetic Justice. We had Cinema 57. R.I.P. Cinema 57. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time ago. <laughs> we had Cinema 57. And she and a whole lot of other sisters in this building at that moment decided they was going to start burning the tips of their hair well like, that's what you gotta do oh i saw the lighters <laughs> coming out all of a sudden I didn't, I didn't know that until that moment that that uh-huh. had to happen man but yeah i remember that <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah, cinema 57 i'm that boston right yeah. well me too yeah me too. so you like myself you are a native of bostonian right. man tell folks what it's like growing up in boston because i get so many questions about what was it like what was it like and i'm like it's really every other city it's just you know we we, we yeah. perfected racism yeah absolutely like yeah. um I mean, I, I feel like it, it it doesn't stand out from anybody else's um, city, really. No. You know, we we grow up in our neighborhoods. It's the city. You have your your suburban areas. You have your your hood areas, and you know. Um, but I, I think that um, with Boston, it's a, a lot of metropolitan kind of, and our and our cities are a little small. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're smaller, so it makes us more connected in our communities. That you just cross the street, you're in Dorchester. You Fact. cross the street, you're in Mattapan, you're in Roxbury, High Park. Um, I mean, it was, 
growing up in the city. Bro, I, I love growing up in the city. Like, I still, <laughs> I, of course, I still go back. My mom still live up there, so, and right. all my cousins. But I love growing up in Boston. I wouldn't trade it for the world, especially mm-hmm. being in other cities. I wouldn't trade that experience for anything, man. Because, like you mentioned, this the proximity to everything. Like, Absolutely. You could walk down Blue Hill Lab and be in Dorchester and Roxbury with like in the blink of an eye. Absolutely. You're looking at it right across the street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I love, though? You know, we also talk about the accents. People always ask me, why don't I have a oh, Boston accent? That's not a Boston accent. That's a South Boston accent. Look, my cousin said the same thing. My cousin said it's a South Boston <laughs> accent that they that they exported to the they exported to the suburbs. Yeah. That has nothing to do with us. And, and should we even say it's a South Boston accent because South Boston is a lot of Irish immigrants, so maybe that was was really a transition of Irish immigrants talking. I don't know, but it, it's not. What I tell people is, <laughs> if you ever think of there's a Boston accent, just understand that New Edition and, and New Kids on the Block weren't that far apart. Right. And they talked extremely different. Right. <laughs> like, that should tell you everything you need to know about the yeah. Boston accent. Yeah, That's not our thing. Uh, uh, oh, the bridge. Hey, who, yes. Who, who, Oh, salute, salute. Oh, matter of fact, shout out to my boy, Albie. Albie's another one who, oh, yeah. who put me on to you. Shout out to my Okay, boy, we went to school together. Oh, Albie's on her episode. We went to school together. I went to um, Sudbury. I went to school in Sudbury, Lincoln, Lincoln, oh, Lincoln, Sudbury. Y'all Peter Metco Noyes, kids. Curtis Scott. Yeah, we're, we're Metco kids. Y'all Metco kids. I, I, I was Boston <laughs> Public my whole life. I went to Burke. Oh, oh. Don't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it like that. I went, no, I went but that to was Burke. different. Yeah, that was different. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to Burke. I also went to Brighton too. I went to Brighton for okay. a quick second, man. But I went, I went to Burke. So I was Boston Public for the longest. I graduated in Malden Catholic, but I went to Boston Public for the longest. So now, did you play basketball at the Burke? Because you know, they're known for like, they, know. yeah, they know for basketball and football, and they also known for. Oh my gosh, I, I, I thought about this this morning when I was th- preparing for this episode about uh-huh. how Boston Public Schools, the way they're built, and you'd have to actually get locked up one day to realize this. <laughs> They're built almost like to prepare you for getting a job, and also you might go to jail. You know, <laughs> like, like they, it probably prepares you to go to South Bay. The way the halls, are, the way the <laughs> halls are built, the way they got grates on the on the stairs, mm-hmm. it's almost like they try to get you to understand this might also be your life too. You Metal know what detectors. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I play. I, I tried to play ball up there my freshman year, and uh-huh. then um, you know the Burke we had our issues. You know they could they weren't yeah. accredited for one minute. And, yeah. yeah, I had to get out of there, boy. The yeah. Burke was different. Yeah, the Burke was different. The Burke literally was a project that they called a high school. That's what I call right. it. <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I think that it's built up a lot more now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, you have to now. I mean, right. we actually got dispensaries in Grove Hall now. So you got mm. to upgrade everything around you at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I had a chance, like many, to learn about your life through TV. Um, okay. The BET American Gangster Series feature you used past season. Mm-hmm. How did you actually find yourself involved with the show? Okay. Well, there's a, another Boston native of ours. Okay. Um, and... Um, she, uh, I call her Dia. That's her, her nickname, or her family name. Um, and our families are, you know, close. Um, she was working with um, BET. Um, and then she was working for one of the production companies that worked for BET. Mm-hmm. So the, um, the season came to her, and um, she reached out and thought that, you know, my story would be a good, a good pitch for for the show. So, did you have the audition? Like, I know they get a play oh, about the trap stories. I wasn't interested in talking about my life of crime. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not what I wanted to do. I, yeah. I never, I didn't want to be known for that or, you know, like, uh, talk about that. Yeah. So, um, when uh, she actually, um, let me backtrack, she contacted my sister. And then my, my sister, when my sister contacted me, I'm like, 
kidding me? You know, talk to me about what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I wasn't looking to, to, to talk about that. I wasn't, um, you know, ready for that. Um, I wanted that to really literally disappear. Yeah. Um, you know? That's going to be hard. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. So look how much it disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but it was a, you, you know, I, I want to say divine intervention. Um, I came home from prison, in, uh, from federal prison in 2014. That was my second um, time going to prison. So 2014, my sentence was a year and a day, hence the name of my book. Yeah. Um, so I went in in 2014. I was home at the end of 2014. I I worked at a job. Well, yeah, I worked at a job. Um, I got a, I got a job. Started at the bottom, continued to climb, and I had been there for about two or three years before um, I was contacted. Uh, one of the things I did at that time, I you know, I'm always a person who's doing multiple things and like being stuck into one, just like nine to five, straight and narrow. It kind of it didn't start feeling good, but it was like I'm not trying to do nothing else. <laughs> I don't want to do nothing else. I don't want to try to you know even even like saying I didn't always do crime all the time, but it would be me working two jobs, going to school, taking like doing something, trying yeah. to do something more, right? But uh, 2014, when I came home, it was like, one job, do this, that's just it. I'm not trying to do anything else. But it didn't start sitting well. You know, that bug started coming like, this can't, this ain't it, you know, whatever. But now I'm more in tune with my spiritual self. I'm more in tune with the journey that I've been on, what I've done, and where I'm at right now. So I remember just, like, praying to God, like, okay, God, if this is what all I'm supposed to do. <laughs> if this is it, then let that be it. But if there's something more, you can tell me. You know what I mean? Um, you know, let me know. Tell me something. And then it was within a couple of, I say not, maybe a couple of months, not even really. She gave me the call and it was like, oh no, he playing games. It ain't, this ain't it. This ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, I, you know, I, I agreed to do it. Um, I, I talked to my sons about it. Um, I talked to my family about it, and it was like, you know, maybe I can make this into to something that helps other people. And I think you did a good job. Like, I, I really feel Thanks. like um, I walked away from your episode. I was feeling, I, I felt good. Really? If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I felt good. I felt like you weren't, like, I've, I've watched American Gangster plenty of times, mm-hmm. and, I even, and, and even the episodes prior to yours. And you always get a feeling, and it's not knocking anybody, but right. you get a feeling that some people are not overly remorseful for what they did mm-hmm. and they weren't overly remorseful for any of the life they lived. And I, but I felt that, I felt that in your story that there was a sense of remorse in that um, you could, you knew you could have done something else and you're going to continue to do something else and learn from this story. I got that sense from you. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you telling me that. No problem, man. So, um, because for me, I felt like, Oh, disaster. No, I bet you know. And then your story, <laughs> but was I don't so look un- at it. Your story was so unique. Cause you know, most people are on there. They, they sold 80 pounds of, of, of cocaine right. in the day and shit like that. But nah, your story was so super unique that again, not to promote crime. Right. I thought to myself, I would have did that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have did that if I had the chance, possibly, um, speak to us about, you know, as much as you can. Speak to us about your story for those who haven't seen the show and, and how you involved yourself in the life of that you end up getting involved in. Okay, so I, um, I worked in higher education. Mm. And I started off being um, 
assistant director of accounts management and Perkins Loan Coordinator. So I was working in um, the financial um, area. Um, and my position involved handling student accounts. That means receiving checks from the banks, um, receiving checks from scholarships, different funding that you know students receive. So in my time being there, um, I started to take abuse. I, I took abuse of my position, and instead of properly placing those checks, I, I misappropriated them, and I used them for my own personal use. Yeah. Um, it happened for, you know, a period of time, I'd say maybe over two years of time, and um, there was a period of time when I was like, well, you know, it started off like, okay, just this. Okay, just, okay, that worked. Now, just a little bit more. Then it was like, oh, just keep going. Is that everybody's story? Like, it starts off, <laughs> yeah. with, you know, like, it starts off with something really small. You say to yourself, all right, so I got away with this one. And before you know it, you five, you five hustles into it. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm already in here. And one question um, that was interesting that someone asked me today, like, weren't you scared? Did you have fear? And it's like, yeah, the whole time. Nope, fear has never left. You know, when you're doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing and it's wrong, the fear is there. But what goes on top of that is the cockiness, the money, oh, yeah. the confidence, you know. Picture yourself as the government. What you have, yeah. Picture yourself as the government. Uh, the government oh, giving absolutely. us student loans. They know that they're going to tax us <laughs> to high hell on these student loans. Right. They don't care, but you know what? They're getting cocky after a while. Let's see if right. we can keep raising these rates and also give them credit cards. Let's <laughs> also give them credit cards that right. when they when they're freshmen and give them five and six, seven of them, Absolutely. run them into as much debt as possible. They had no problem doing that. That's Absolutely. why I thought when I read your, that I saw your story, I was like, I'd do that in retrospect because I'm like, right. the government used to steal from us for real when we was in high school, in college. You know, it, it. I mean, yeah, they do. Yeah, everything. Everything is, uh, you know, a robbery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything is a robbery. But you know, to, to be real about it, all I ended up doing in the end was robbing myself. Yeah, true. You know, true. so so that's a good way to put it, though. Like, I like true. again, I like the way you you come off as someone who almost who definitely learned a lesson. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I learned the lesson the first time, but I did it a second time, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, got, got cocky. How many how many times does it take for you to get it? Yeah. You know, you can't put a number on that. Um, you may learn something within three steps. It may take me twenty five. I mean, we can't we can't judge that movement. You know, so that that's what's making us different as humans. And you didn't just take the money and just like you know stash it and just do random stuff. You actually, I wish. You put on, yeah, right. <laughs> you put on music. You did. You tried to build an actual legal business doing illegal activity. I did. Yeah. I did. I did. I did want to to build a business, but again, it was something new to me. It was something that I was learning at the time, also. So I wasn't um, business savvy. In, a, in the aspect in which I needed to be. I knew, you know, some, but it's like you, you got the Kool-Aid, but you probably need some sugar. You know, just little little steps that I was missing to make sure that it could have been a successful, legitimate, flourishing business. In the business we're talking about, you, you were mm -hmm. putting on shows. You were putting on concerts around the city. Right. So what I was, what I was learning is the music business, and um, I learned the management piece. And during the management piece, it was like, I didn't know where I wanted to place myself in the industry, so I kind of I had to learn the whole thing and then figure out where I could make it work. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, while I was going out to different events like your core DJs retreats, your TJs DJs down in Tallahassee, and um, uh, billboard events, things like that, to learn the business, I started to think, well, 
maybe this should, you know, I should do something like this at home. Yeah. First of all, they'll save me airline tickets. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But another thing is that the people in, in my town, they could, you know, we, I could bring this stuff back here because now I'm going out, I'm networking, I'm meeting other people. And they're saying that they'd love to come to our market because they don't feel that there's an end to our market, really. No. You know, so they were interested in the market. You know, and I should say something, yeah, because um, what you don't see in Boston were a lot of conferences and things like that. Like, people yeah. would come perform. Like, it's definitely a major enough city that you're going to come do a big show, but you mm -hmm. didn't see people try to bring the education necessarily. I'm not saying it didn't exist, right. but I'm just saying necessarily. Like, we didn't have a TJ. No, we don't like have that. any. We didn't have things like that, but we did have record pools. Yeah. We did have record pools. Chubby um, Chubby in them, man. Yeah. Like, we, they, right. they existed. Yeah. There, was, there, was, there was things that existed, but um, I would say in our neighborhoods, um, it wasn't accessible no. and it wasn't there. So what I learned is um, I met a, a mentor of mine who was at the time uh, at Koch Records and I met him at TJ's DJ's. And it was so long ago, it was Gucci Mane's first, so Icy was just coming out. So he was there performing, right? So I, um, I met him, talked to him, and he's like, he comes to Boston all the time. I'm thinking, well, where do you go? I never, they don't, you don't do store sign, in store signs. Like we do in store signs, but where do you go? Who are you doing this? Okay, so you're with the radio DJs at 94.5. They bring you to outside of the city or to, oh. you know what I'm saying? So we, they weren't hitting the, the they weren't hitting the neighbor. Right. No, they weren't no, hitting no, it. No, no, no. So he gave me the opportunity when he came up to see what he does, how he does it. And I, you know, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm hungry. I want to learn this. So he came up here. Um, well, I can't even remember the first people he bought, but I want to say it was like, it was during the Purple City Diplomat era. Um, he was also doing uh, reggae artists. He was still working with VP Records. Mm -hmm. So he came up. I toured with him. Went to some um, in-store, you know, some in-store signings and stuff like that. It was never in our neighborhoods. And I said, well, you should let me put one together. Man, that was so needed. Man, that, was, that, was, that was really needed. Like, even after you spoke about 94.5, like, I remember when, um, what was yeah. the song that Peter Gunsnam had, that um, um, Uptown oh, Baby? Yes, yes, And you yes. would hear that on 94.5, and they would literally say, Boston niggas got crazy game, but out of right. town, this is all the same. And then immediately say, well, Saugus niggas. I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> like, how you, how you jump all the way out the city? Right. But, it, but, that's, but that's what the, um, the market was for. That's what the market was. And I, I feel like it still is for mainstream industry when they come into town. Yeah. It was go over the neighborhoods and go out there. Because 94.5 is a it, yeah. top 50 station. So, yeah. You know? yeah, it wasn't. They weren't going to try to be accessible to us in that, in that realm. In that realm. And you're right. And what you would it's so crazy. What you were doing was definitely needed. Right. <laughs> like, so when he gave me the opportunity, I yeah. brought them straight to the hood, of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Because, yeah, because Boston yeah. didn't have that. It was something I recognized when I moved down south and started getting into music myself, mm. that what wasn't available, like, it was crazy that you know people like Smoke Bulges out there. You knew, right. you knew these artists was out there, but it was like. You don't see them. No, nah, you don't see them nowhere. The venues aren't so open to us um, in the city. Nah, and nah. we didn't. We don't have a lot of, like, the mom and pop stores and, and things like that. No, nah, we used to yeah. rest in peace, Mad Japan music, man. Yeah, like, that used to be my little. On joint. top was where I used. Um, on top was one of the first places that I used to do um, an in store. It was with um, like Sheik Luch, Styles P, um, J Hood. That was one of the opportunities, my first opportunities that he gave me. Yeah. So how much? How much did this passion for music that you were learning and the business that you was growing? How much did that fuel you to keep everything going on the on the negative side? A lot. Yeah. Because it, it, it costs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it costs. Um, 
in order for me to um, to travel, I needed to pay for that, and then I couldn't go alone. So I had to bring, you know, my kids with me sometimes. I, you know, like I, I was acting, you know, I had an entourage. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, my family was my team and my business partners at the time, so I had to move with them. To we moved together. Yeah. Did they ever get an inkling that something was going on around here that was bringing money that didn't have nothing to do with this music that was happening? No, because I had a good a good title job, so no one knew how much I was making, but it seemed like I had a great job. I had a nice office. I'm working at a, a prestigious college, so I must be making good money. Makes sense. I could see me saying that to somebody. Yeah, she right. must got bread. Right, you know because that, cause, <laughs> cause that's how we think. Like, you just look at yeah. a certain aspect of someone's like You have no idea what... I could have been working for that job on a stipend and no one would have known that. You just would have imagined that it was, you know, something else because that's how we think. So are you actually still involved in music? I do consulting for people. um, And I still, you know, I I still have my hands in in some things. I try to support and help um, people who reach out to me as much as I can. But with me doing my own project, it's a little, you know, I can't give someone a whole hundred percent. But I can definitely direct people to where they need to go or put them on to someone else so that they can get the help they need. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you did a year and a day in prison. Like, it's not like it's not like you walked away scot-free. No, not at all. (laughs) You did some time. Um, Mm -hmm. What was your experience like, especially? your first time getting locked up like what was your experience like when you got there okay so I can give you two different experiences because I did state time and I did federal prison time oh federal is going to be always better uh, yeah to who <laughs> <laughs> to who federal is going to be better I would believe I would think federal I would want to do federal than state actually I don't want to do either one. let me take yeah, that right. you don't want to do nothing you don't want to do anything when I what they did allow me to do is instead of sending me off to Framingham they had me do um, my first sentence was six months in prison, and then three years probation. So I only had to do three months in South Bay, which is now Methadone Mile, right? <laughs> but I, only, I, I did three months there. And, and, and getting there, like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in jail. <laughs> you know, I'm, in, I'm behind bars. This is crazy. It was everything Akon said. It was everything that Akon said. It stinks in here. They need to paint. Um, who are these people? Oh, I have to share this cell. Am I getting on the punk bunk? I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the rules in yeah, here. Got, nobody nobody gave you an instruction book no. before you got there. I don't know the rules, but what I do know how to do is be me and be honest and, you know, just be sh- straight up. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I really am truly against not being yourself. Um, and if people don't agree with yourself, then those are not the people you should be around. So I was born by myself, so I caught this case by myself, so I'm going to be in here by myself. So that's just what it is. You know what I mean? Um, it was. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it sucked. But when I got there, I was in Newman. So you start off in Newman, you're supposed to be there for a little bit. But I didn't know that one of my father's cousins was a CO in there. So she came down. She didn't. Ask, she was mean too. Like, what did you bother coming down here for? Then? She got to do a job. <laughs> she came down and was like, um, "Ayana," and I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> She's like, "Come with me," and I'm like, "Oh my god, where are we going?" You know. But she um, had me change out of out of my clothes, and the same day, instead of being a new man for the length of time you were supposed to be in there, she brought me upstairs to the unit. And I was thinking, well, that's supposed to be better. But, yeah, it was better. 
because I don't know what was going on down in Newman. It was it was horrible down there. And <laughs> I wanted to get out. So, I mean, it was cool. And then there was people in there that I knew. One of the girls, actually, Alvin and I went to school with. And I'm like, oh, man, she's the CEO on the unit. She's going to tell everybody. But it is what it is. You know, it was just an awful experience. Uh, but at the same time, every, we're all human, yeah. right? So, She's a person. She, this is her job. She still has to go home and live her life. The person next to me, they got sentenced. They'll leave out of here, go home and live their life, pray to God that they do, you know. And we just, we just try it again. Mm. Well, you, you turned know? that experience into a book, <laughs> <laughs> which I pre-ordered. I actually pre-ordered, I pre-ordered the book. I appreciate no it. Problem. I love my pre-order. I got to show, show love. Yes. Um, a, a year and a day. Yes. Um, talk about your book. And and, and um, just explain to us, I guess, what 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 inspired you to, to write the, to write your um, to write your own memoir. Um, doing the show inspired me to actually write my own memoir because when I did the show again, I wasn't really prepared to do the show. I didn't. I don't know if you you've seen it. You yeah. you may have think, oh, you know, you look fine doing it, but no, I was like this. I wasn't really ask me a question. I'm like, what? I'm, uh-uh. I'm saying, you know, I wasn't. Although I did it and I agreed to do it, I wasn't fully prepared to give myself like that. And then I'm like meeting these people within five minutes, and I'm telling them they're asking me questions like, how did you even know that? You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Um, when I did the, when I, that inspired me to do the book because now I'm in a different place and now I'm more open to talking about things that I wouldn't have talked about. And now I get to tell it in the sequence, in the narrative in which I'm comfortable now in telling. Yeah. Because I, again, like I said, even though I did that, I wasn't prepared mentally to really do it. Doing it brought out some things that was like, wow, I've, I wasn't really ready to do this. And that, that was going to be actually my next question because I'm working on a book at my, mm-hmm. as, as I speak. Matter of fact, I, right before I pre-ordered your book, you kind of inspired me to start writing. Oh my goodness, I love this. Be, be, hey, love it, love it. <laughs> as I was writing, I was kind of shocked at myself some of the stuff I was writing because I'm like, oh yeah, that shit happened. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? how, how, you know what I'm saying, when you was writing your book, how hard were you to write some of the things that you know for a fact you did? Like as you're writing this, mm-hmm. are you saying to yourself, so I didn't need to do not one bit of this, but this is now eight paragraphs. Right. Um, a lot. And I'm telling you that over in the past six months, so in the beginning, because this has been an ongoing project for a while and I'm a procrastinator. And then, you know, again, it's all, all these other things. Life is still happening. Right. Um, at the time that it began, it was different stuff. As time goes on and you get stronger in who you are and your truth, your past, where you're at now and all that stuff. Now it's like, I'm okay with talking about this also. I don't know why I hid that. Stop making it about you and make it about what do you think that you should be giving to people now. Mm -hmm. So again, like I said, when I did the show, I wasn't really ready to give myself like that. I did give some. You may think so, but I really didn't. You know what I mean? I still was evasive, I believe. In the book, I could, I could roll with it because I'm cool with that because that's what people need to know of me because that's what someone else is going through. Yeah. I'm just hiding it for what? Yeah. It, was, it was for me to go through for someone else to, to get from. Have you, have you watched your episode yet? Some. <laughs> I'm like I don't I don't I try I don't, my hardest not to listen to my own episodes. Yeah, I've always I always wondered how that worked. Like, I I really know people. Like, every time I go somewhere, I feel like and when you said and I'm like I said that really went where was that? 
you know? And I just hate hearing my own voice, I think. I don't know. It's just, it's still uncomfortable to, to watch. I'm like that, too. I don't like hearing my own voice. What yeah. would have threw me off about watching, if I was in your shoes, would have uh-huh. been the reenactments. Like, oh, oh, gosh, that cool. was horrible. Yeah, like, we're doing the reenactments would have did it for me. Because I never told them that anyone was shooting up drugs. <laughs> I never said that. Like, you know, it's just like you assume that because someone was, this is what you would, that was, that was a little far. Yeah. You know? I didn't say that. So then it looks like I said something because they reenacted that. And I didn't say that. But but then I go, like, I had a, a conversation with someone the other day. All right. If someone's doing any certain drug, whether you're doing coke, however you're doing it, does it matter how you're doing it? It's still coke, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So am I to say, all right, well, they assumed it was that, but it wasn't. But was it the, was it that, the drug, though? Does it really kind of matter how? You know, and 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 uh, it does to a lot of people. Yeah, it does. If if you're the person being alluded to that you were shooting Absolutely. up cocaine, yeah, like now nah, yeah. I was sniffing, I wasn't shooting up, like right, you know, what I'm saying? right. Like, like, be specific. But to a person who doesn't use drugs, it's like, but it was yeah. the same thing, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. You but know what? That's right, ignorant. Right now, I feel like, and this is where your book and this is where you telling your story could really help some people because yeah. we're in a world right now, especially through COVID. Where I feel like people mm-hmm. have been given the ability to have a lot of access to to, to funds that possibly yeah. you shouldn't have access to. Mm. You know, we got PPP loans. You got people out here just cashing out for no apparent reason. What would you say, you know, in this era right now, like what would you say to these kids right now who are trying to, everything from cash app scams to Forex scams, like people are trying their hardest to find a scam to do. Like what would your advice be to them? I would, I would, I would tell you definitely there's way more other things that you could do than a scam. Yeah. That will bring you, like, again, fast money is, is, is never the great money. You know what I mean? Like, the grind of things is the goal. To be able to say, wow, I did X, Y, and Z, and look what, what came from that. The fruits of your labor, though. It means so much more, and you will hold on to it so much more. So now someone asks you for a dollar, and you worked for that dollar, you're like, no. But when, when you got it, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you don't have anything left. Right. Facts, man. So if you want to hold on to something longer, yeah. I feel that it's important for you to 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 do the work um, that it takes to get it yeah. and you'll appreciate it more. And it means so much more to you. You know, yeah. it gives you it gives you all the integrity. And I'm not talking about nobody doing no PPP loans or nothing, because listen. You know how I feel about student <laughs> loans. I just said it. They've been going for how long now? Listen, <laughs> just don't listen, get caught. Like the- you know, it, it, and and I and, and we can't say that people are fraudulently doing them. You know, it, look at the guidelines. D- did you follow the guidelines? <laughs> are you under the guidelines? You know what I mean. We're not recommending you were- <laughs> y'all. We're not recommending y'all do anything. I, but, but, but I hate. But, but I'll tell you, my pet peeve is people now saying everybody doing PPPs, going to jail. Like you don't know what people. You don't know what people are doing. Yeah. You know what I mean. You. You don't know. We can't assume. When's the book come out? The book is going to release. The physical copy is released on Labor Day weekend. Okay. Oh, I'm ready. Yes. I'm ready. I'm yes. ready. I'm ready to see this. Are you excited about that? I am. I like to see something because, like I told you, I'm, a, you know, I'm very transparent. I'm a procrastinator. So if I start and finish something, I'm like, yes. You know what I mean? I, it makes me excited that I've accomplished something when I can complete it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. So, so what's next for Yana Bean? Um, the whole world, everything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing other businesses. Um, you know, I have a nonprofit organization that I've started. It's a year and a day foundation. Um, and that's to, to do transitional 
transitional housing for our brothers and sisters reentering back into society. Mm. You know, it took me a year and a day on my prison sentence, and I wanted to mirror that and give them the resources that they they need to to get back to to life and to have bigger life than they had before that they thought they needed to do a crime to have a life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I'm working on that. And um, I'm open to, to other things that come from it. You know, there's a lot of a lot of other things that I'm interested in doing. And and I'm just praying to see if those things can happen. Yeah. Oh, you know, one other question I want to ask you. Yeah. So last time I was in Boston was the first time I bought weed from a store. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm in Grove Hall, and I'm actually shout, oh, yeah. shout out to my cousin Touche. My cousin okay. Touche owns two stores down the street in Grove Hall. Nice. Uh, yeah, so, but not, not weed stores. He has a, it was smoke, a smoke shop, and he has a clothing store across the street. Okay. So I'm, I'm out here kicking it with him. I said, let me take a walk up to Grove Hall. I want to go to, um, I think it's Pure Leaf. I want to go to whatever mm-hmm. the store called. I want to go here because I've never actually bought weed from a store. And it's more bizarre to me that I'm buying it in Grove Hall because mm. even where it is, I could... When you look across the street, I remember standing there with my friends yeah. and all them after school because you know the mm-hmm. bird we pour out and everybody just be kicking and grow hard. Right, and they was you know cops was hard. You know what right. I'm saying? Like if you even thought you had weed, you was getting locked up left and right. Now Absolutely. I'm looking at this line of white people down the block waiting to go buy weed from this spot. What's Isn't it like? It something? What's it like <laughs> seeing Massachusetts go legal? What's it like seeing Boston in particular? Watching, watching the city we grew up in. Now, you know, you got dispensaries here. Mm-hmm. You haven't talked about dispensaries out in Brockton. Shout out to yep. Legal Green. Mm-hmm. This is real life now in our, in our, in our world. Like, what's right. it like? Um, I think it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> you know, it's quite interesting when you have um, neighborhoods where police came in to arrest people mm-hmm. doing this, to lock them all up, some still in prison, Yeah, you know, um, to now make something legal. And I don't see any police police in that around that neighborhood as much as I ever used to when no. they were coming to lock up the people that lived in the community. No, no, I, I did up, not. They're upgrading those communities. Cause oh yeah, that gentrification is I, all through. There. I was in Grove and it's oh in Pure Oasis. I want to make sure I say the Pure, Pure Oasis, yeah, Pure right? Oasis. That's correct. I grew up literally Mattapan, Roxbury. My mom used to own a house on Devon Street. Like okay. I, all I knew was all I knew was Rox, Mattapan and Roxbury. Mm-hmm. So I, Grove Hall was like at the back of my hand. Right. To so be in Grove Hall two years ago was almost like night and day. Absolutely. Yeah, it was like night and day, Absolutely. and it was good. And it's good, you know. It's, some gentrification is good. Like I remember when it was not good. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, when it like, wasn't good. Yeah, I used to be terrified walking down Castlegate. Like that was a scary moment in my life. You could never go into South Boston. No, no, no <laughs> you know what I no. mean. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> not for not for real. You, no, you, no. you, you could not. But one of the great things about it is that Pure Oasis is owned by oh, yeah. you know black men. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That's great to see, and that, and you know, um, I think that our community needs to see that. But at the same time, it's just if you, if you lived in our neighborhoods at a certain time, it's just like wow, this is almost like the twilight zone. It is. It is. You know. It is. I love yeah. seeing a lot of the. Growth, but I like though. seeing. I like seeing them have the opportunity. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's it's, it's definitely making neighborhoods better. Because I give you an example. Yeah. I used to go to Almont Park my whole life mm. too. Almont Park now is so drastically different than the Almont Park yeah. I grew up in, mm-hmm. and it's better. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. remember, like, it's just better. Trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, it's like what a park is supposed to be. It's what a park is supposed to be. Like, right. I, I, I would have had fun going to this park, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't have been ner- Like, I remember shootouts happening out Yeah, I was going to say, well, you know, I never even went over to Almont Park. <laughs> stop it, stop it. Don't make it sound like no, my neighborhood no, no. was violent. No, no, no. They saw the Murder <laughs> Pan. Like, that was our old nickname. Murder <laughs> Pan was a nickname. I used to be so proudful of that, too. Like, yeah, that's I, where we from. Oh, no, I, I wasn't proudful of that, but it's like, 
Everybody has a name, every hood. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Ayana, I thank you for coming through. You've been an amazing guest tonight. Thank um, you. Please tell people how they can connect with you, and please tell people how they can actually pre-order the book so they can get it when it drops okay. on Labor Day. All right, good. Well, first, I want to thank you all for, for having me. No problem. Um, it's always a pleasure to come in and talk to people, and, and you all help me to be able to continue to talk. Yeah. You know, it, it teaches me. So I appreciate that. For anyone who wants to get in touch with me, um, my social media is all across the board are Miss MS dot Y A N A B E A N, uh, Miss Yana Bean. Um, you can pre order my book. I have two websites for it. Um, AyanaBean.com is, is my website. You can go pre order the book there. Or you can purchase the book on A Year in a Day Book.com. So those are the two websites. You have an option. You can also go onto my Instagram and hit my link tree. Um, however, yeah. yeah, you can also click the link in our bio. It's going to be up there for the next two nice. weeks. Yeah, it's going to be up there for the next two weeks. Please go in and pre-order that book. Thank it's, you. It's going to be amazing. She's an amazing story, and she definitely has an amazing story to share with other people. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for coming through, Yana. And um, yes. yeah, and, and that's Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation on LiveHipHopDaily.tv. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>